Listen, I want to share a message that's been on my heart and on my mind for over a year. And just God's just been allowing it to marinate, if you will. And uh, it's really as a result of a lot of things that he has brought into my mind and heart over the past few years. And just to let you know, here are some of the things that have gone on in my heart and in my soul that I'm going to talk about. One is an epiphany that I had with my grandson, Jack. So that's going to come into play. Uh, also... Uh, I went through a study probably about four times in the last couple of years by Matt Chandler, a study on Philippians, and we're going to look at that just a little bit, not the study, but just some passages in Philippians that God just brought to my heart and my mind. And then also a book that I read by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God, and I've read that about two times in the last year and a half or so. And so all of these things have kind of come to play that God's been marinating this in my heart. As a matter of fact, even right now, all of our pastors are going through a book called The Relationship Principles of Jesus. And it just, again, just spoke to me with this same common theme. So, uh, but that's kind of the background I'm going with. But, you know, I was struggling with uh, how do I... How do I frame this? What's the framework that I can share all of this with you today? And uh, I can remember, it's probably about eight months ago, because this had been on my mind and on my heart. And I was coming to work. I'm an early riser. I was probably coming, uh, driving around 6 o'clock in the morning. I always stop at Dunkin' Donuts and get an extra large coffee. That's the way I start my mornings, you know, and then I come on. But I can remember going down 102nd Avenue between 113th Street and Seminole Boulevard on my way to Dunkin' Donuts. And now I just want to let you know there was no bright light, no audible voice. But God just brought a thought to my mind that helped me perfectly frame what I want to share with you this morning. And, uh, and it's the difference between... A pioneer and a settler okay the difference between a pioneer and a settler and when I think of a pioneer or an explorer I have a uh, we have a place in the mountains of Tennessee and supposedly not far from where our place is we can walk there there is a trail or a pass that supposedly Daniel Boone would traverse or travel and I you know when I'm up there and I'm looking out at God's just majesty in the mountains. I think about people like a Daniel Boone or Lewis and Clark, these explorers, these pioneers who forged into areas that were just, we seem to think were untouched. And I think of that pioneering spirit. But when I really begin to think about a pioneer, one person comes to mind above all else. And that is Captain James Tiberius Kirk. And his crew at the Starship Enterprise. Okay? The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Their ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone. Before. Now that's a pioneer. 
That's the pioneering spirit that I want us to try to, to capture that this morning. But you know, when we think about the pioneers of uh, the inception of our country, what followed behind our pioneers were settlers. And settlers would come and find a piece of ground that they would be happy with and they put down their roots and they were content to stay there and to, to plant themselves there and build a home. And it's, you know, I couldn't help but think, do you remember about a year ago there was these commercials by DirecTV that were, showed you pictures of settlers? And it really captured the settler spirit and mindset. Well, here's a couple of those commercials that were my favorites. Dear, why don't we switch to DirecTV? Now, Mother, we are settlers. I've settled for cable all my life. But DirecTV has been number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 15 years. We find our satisfaction elsewhere. The boy has his stick and hoop. The girl, her faceless doll. And you have your cabbages. And you have your foot stomping. I sure do. Don't be a settler. Whoa. Father, why can't we have direct TV like the McGregors do? We're settlers, son. We settle for things, like having cable instead of direct TV. Hey, Jebediah, how's it going? Working the land, hoping for a fertile spring. All right. So, we have to live with lower customer satisfaction? I'm afraid so. Now, go churn us some butter, boy, and then make your own clothes. Yes, sir. Don't be a settler. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that, that, that's the kind of... I want you to capture that kind of spirit and mindset of a settler. Just settling for something less when there's something more to be had. So that's the question that I want to use as the framework this morning. I want you to ask yourself, I'll ask myself, as a believer, are we a pioneer or are we a settler? And the main text that I'm going to use this morning is in Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to, it's the parable of the soils. And most of you are familiar with that. But that's what our, my text is going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 13 verses 18 to 23. And we'll go there in a minute. But before we do, I believe I have to start at the beginning. Not at the beginning of that chapter, but at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, in the book of Genesis. At the very beginning when God created this world that we live in. And he created us. And see, we're created in his image so that we can know him. And to have a relationship with him. And that's why we were created. We were created to be able to love God and to worship him. And in turn receive his love and his blessings. It's this intimate relationship that we were created for. But unfortunately... Adam and Eve messed things up for us, and this relationship was severed. This intimate relationship that we were created for was severed by sin. And I believe two things happened in our lives, in our souls, when that happened. One is that man now has a sinful nature. And the second thing is that he has a seeking heart because there's this hole in his soul that could only be filled by a relationship with him and that relationship was severed because of sin and so we have this, this hole in our soul, this seeking heart. 
And at the same time, I believe that at that point in time, God began to pursue us and to begin to restore and redeem mankind. And it cultivated at that perfect time when Jesus Christ was sent to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And I love the way that Romans 5, 8 frames it. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he took the initiative to restore us, to redeem us, to bring us back to himself, to give us the opportunity to fill that hole with that peace that was missing and that a relationship with him. So I believe this parable this morning is just a perfect picture of God pursuing us. Because in the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, whatever, however your Bible titles it, there's really three things to recognize. One is that, that God is the sower. Okay? The seed is the word of God and the soil is our heart. And, uh, and so with that, with that context in mind, let's go ahead and read. Uh, and by the way, where I'm picking up the story, at the beginning of the chapter, God teaches this parable, uses this parable in a large setting with a lot of people, uh, a, a large group of people and his disciples. And so after that story, the disciples take him to the side and say, hey, what does that mean? explain to us what the par- this parable means. And so Jesus, first of all, tells him why he speaks in parables, and then he explains the parable to his disciples. And that's where we're going to pick up. And he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, the word of the kingdom, and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path or the hard ground. As for that which was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has... uh, No root in himself, but endures for a little while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. And so what we see here in this parable are four types of soils, four types of hearts, four types of responses. You'll see that on the screen. In other words, what we see is the path, the hard ground, which is a hard heart, and the response is no. Then there's the rocky ground, which is an emotional heart, and that's a kind of a response that's yes, no. Then there's that thorny ground, which is a crowded heart, and there's that yes, but our heart goes to another passion. And then there's the good ground, the receptive heart, and the response is yes. So this morning, again, what I, what I want to, to share is this 
epiphany I had with my grandson, the reading that I've done recently in Tozer, the study in Philippians with Chandler, and a little bit of this right now, uh, this, uh, the, the relationship principles of Jesus. So how am I going to pull that all together? Well, I promise that I'll connect the dots here in just a little bit. But again, I think that God has put within all of us this pioneering spirit. We call it a seeking heart. There is a hole in our soul that can only be filled by him. And he set it up that way so that to bring us back to himself. And until that hole is filled by him, we're restless, we're searching, we're seeking something that will not satisfy. And so man has always been on that quest since the fall. But for some of us in here, and probably most of us in here, as believers, there was a time in our past where our heart was receptive, our soul was, was our soil was fertile and good, and we received God's word, and our lives were forever changed. But maybe you're here this morning, and you're a seeker. Uh, maybe God has done something in your life right now that has begun to till up that hard soil of your heart or that rocky soil or that thorny soil. And for some reason, God has brought you here today. Maybe you've been coming for a while. You're a seeker. You're receptive. You want that hole in your soul to be filled by something that will last. Well, I... I just want to speak to the seekers here this morning that don't know the Lord, that maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Him. I just want to pause because I don't believe that anyone is here today by accident. You're on purpose, for a purpose, and it could be for this very reason because you could be seeking and saying, I want this, but I don't know how to appropriate it in my life. And so I want to pause, put all the other stuff aside, and just share a couple of things with you because I want you to know how to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And the first thing that we all have to do in seeking him is to admit that God has not been first place in our lives and ask him to forgive us of our sin. And 1 John 1, 9 is a great verse. For if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And for some of you this morning, that is great news because you're carrying around a baggage of guilt, maybe shame, regret because of things in the past. And God offers forgiveness. And when we admit that God has not been first place and ask him to forgive us of our sins, you know, he does. He does. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So that's where we begin. But then the next thing that we need to do is to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he rose again victorious over death, and that he's alive today. We need to believe that. And if I was to ask everyone in here today, if you're a believer, we would all say, yes, we believe. But as I was growing up in a church, and I was in church, I can't remember a time in my life I wasn't in church. Okay, I was raised in church. I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every you know, camp, vacation, Bible school, everything. I was always there. 
So I learned all these truths about Scripture. And so I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin, that he rose again victorious over sin and death and offered that free gift to me. I believed all of that. And then someone, when I was a young adult, shared a verse of Scripture with me that rocked my world. There's a verse in James that says, You believe in God, you do with well, for even the devils believe and they tremble. And I came to realize that it's not just believing about God. It's, it's the devils believe and they tremble. It's understanding what true belief really is. And then someone showed me a, uh, an illustration that many of you have seen before, but I just want to, to just share it with those of you that are still uncertain and are seeking a relationship with the Lord. Someone shared with me this illustration of a chair. I'm using a stool. And this stool has four good legs and a good seat. And that stool can hold me up. I believe it can hold me up. So I believe that it can. But why doesn't it? Why isn't it holding me up? Because I'm not sinning in it. But now I'm trusting and depending upon this stool to hold me up. Huge difference. Huge difference. And I believe that's where I was. I, I, I believed in God but I never trusted and depended upon him to have a personal relationship with him. And that John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word believe means trust and depend upon, not just knowing about. And just one other quick illustration. If I didn't introduce myself to you, to you as I started today, my name's David Joseph. I'm one of the pastors here. So you know me. You've probably seen me around. But uh, there's only a couple of people in here that could tell me my birthday. When is my anniversary? My wife knows. She's here. A couple of close, close friends know. Uh, I, by the way, it's the same day. You only have to remember one. I was married on my birthday, July 26th, so that I would never forget my anniversary. <laughs> my point is that you know who I am, but you don't really know me intimately like my family does. And again, I believe that so many people miss it and they don't understand what true belief is and what a relationship is. We believe in God, we know who he is, but we've never established a personal relationship with him. And that's where I want to make sure that you understand. Well, you may be saying, well, how do I do that? It brings me to the next point. We need to accept God's free gift of salvation, that free gift of restoring a relationship with him, a free gift of filling that hole. Well, how do we, how do we accept that? Scripture says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he's offering you this free gift of that, 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 that thing that will fill your hole in your soul, that relationship with him. He's offering it as a free gift. Well, how do I receive that gift? It's just by inviting him to come into your life and to be the director, the Lord of your life. Simple invitation. I don't want to oversimplify it, but scripture says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'm just going to pause here for a moment. 
And if you're a seeker here, if you're, if you're unsure, if you know about God but you've never had a relationship with him, I want to give you that opportunity. And I'm just going to lead us in a word of prayer right now. And I'm just going to say a prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but if it's your heart's desire, then you can just pray that prayer silently as I pray that aloud and invite the Lord to come into your life so that you can have a personal relationship with him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you that I could just again have the privilege to share the gospel, the good news to some of those who are seeking it so badly. So Lord, I just thank you that we can understand that we just need to admit that we need you and ask you to forgive us. And Lord, uh, and to, to believe, to trust and depend upon you by accepting that free gift and, and inviting you into our life with a prayer, something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for making me and loving me. Even when I've ignored you and gone my own way, I realize I need you in my life and I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please help me to understand it more. The best way I know how, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person inside. Thank you for saving me. With no one looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you just raise your hand so I could pray for you? Yes, any others? Yes, in the middle here, anybody? To the left over here, anyone? Pray that prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me today. And Lord, I just pray that they sense your presence in their life. But Lord, it's not about a feeling, but it's about the truth of your word that says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we thank you for that opportunity that they had this morning to call upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, for those that did pray that prayer with me, and there was a number of you that did, I just want you to do two things. One, mark this date down someplace, whether it's in your Bible, someplace that you can keep, you know, May 21st, 2017. Mark that day down. It's your spiritual birthday. Second thing, tell somebody. Maybe that person that you came with, let them know. All you got to do is say, I prayed that prayer prayer with the pastor just let someone know if you're here by yourself pastor Doug will be up here at the end of the service some of our deacons will let them know tell someone but I just thank you for that decision you made today it's going to change your eternal destiny well let me get back to starting to connect these dots you know, we must realize that the parable of the soils are, it's still a reality for us as believers. God is still revealing his word to us. Our hearts are still soil that need to be cared for and guarded. And the danger is to look at that parable as just a salvation parable about something that happened when, okay? This is for us today also. So first of all, I just want to, just A.W. Tozer, 
He was an author, a preacher from uh, the early 1900s to mid-1900s. And it seems like a long time ago, but I was born in the 1900s. But, so A.W. Tozer. Uh, and this classic book that he wrote called The Pursuit of God, there is a chapter, first one, following hard after God. And uh, I'm only going to read two sections. Each one of them is only very, real short. And I want you to listen to every sentence uh, because it's important and it describes what I'm talking about this morning. So it says here, how tragic that we in this dark day have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. Everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ, a term incidentally which, was not found, which is not found in the Bible. And we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. We have been snared in the coils of a spurious logic which insists that if we have found him, we need no more seek him. That's some convicting words. You know, coming to Christ, establishing that personal relationship with the God who created us and loved us, is just the launching point. It's just the launching point. And Tozer goes on to say this, the moment the Spirit has quickened us to life and regeneration or salvation, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That is a heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen to this. It is, however, not an end but an inception. For now begins the glorious pursuit, the heart's happy exploration of the infinite riches of the Godhead. That is where we begin, I say, but where we stop, no man has yet discovered. For there is an awful and mysterious depths of the triune God, neither limit nor end. And that sounds like spiritual Star Trek stuff. You know, that we, can, we can't even begin to grasp. It's like being and looking at the stars and the solar systems out there. That is, the depths of the riches of God are at our disposal if we would dare but venture out, not settle, and venture out to, 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 to passionately seek Him. Well, combine, I've read all of Tozer, that's all I'm sharing with you this morning, but but combine what I just read to you from Tozer, along with this Philippian study that Matt Chandler uh, has done through Right Now Media, which you all have access to free of charge. If you call the church office, we pay for the the subscription for that. And uh, it's like a Christian Netflix, and it's got thousands of Bible studies at your disposal. And this is one of them that I've probably gone through four times in the last two and a half years. And he just gives you this description in Philippians chapter 3, where Paul, we see in Paul his, his passion to be a pioneer, to not settle 
And I love what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And this is the same Paul that had that Damascus Road experience. He's writing this as a believer who has already, you know, been probably three years with the Lord after that salvation experience. And in Corinthians, he writes how he was taken up into the heavens and caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak, yet he wants more. He wants more. He goes on to say in verse 12, not that I have already attained it, but I press on. Verses 13 and 14, I don't regard myself of having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Paul does not settle. He wants more. And Matt Chandler in his study says these words. He says, there is always more of Christ to be had. There's always more of Christ to be had. And then I'm reminded of David, a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 63.1, it also just captures his pioneering spirit. Uh, with the Lord. He says this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David doesn't settle. He longs for more. So the question for us today, including myself, why do we settle? Why are we satisfied? Why are we so easily pleased? Why has God's word not captivated our hearts to create a passion to know him more? I believe it goes back to the parable of the soils because your heart is still soil and maybe your heart is hardened today and God's word can't penetrate to ignite that passion Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been wounded. Uh, maybe you've been broken or betrayed. Maybe sin has gotten into your life and created a stronghold that has calloused your heart. You're always saying no to God's attempts to break through. And he wants to break through. I love that verse in Psalm 34, 18 that says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. Allow his word to break through that hardness this morning. Or maybe your heart is that rocky, rocky, emotional heart. Nothing takes root. Uh, we have uh, this, maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's resentment in your heart. Maybe there's guilt or shame. Maybe worry, fear. Maybe anxiety, depression. I think anxiety and depression are epidemic in our society today. You know, God speaks, you sense hope, and then your heart returns to the emotion at hand. It's kind of a yes-no response. I love what Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. How many times in Scripture do we hear the words, fear not? 
He wants to deal with those emotions if we allow him to just break through. And then the thorny ground. I think this is where so many people are today in our culture. We've allowed the thorns to overrun our hearts. We have no margin in our life. Our heart is crowded. The things of this world has, have captured our lives. God's word is choked out. Our response is, yes, Lord, but... And we allow our butts to get in the way of the things that Lord, the Lord wants to do in our life and to ignite this passion in our life. There's all these competing values. The world has all this to offer to, to have you, uh, you know, the, the world wants your affection, that wants your allegiance. And I'm just reminded of what 1 John says. It says, do not love the world. Nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. You know, I'm also reminded of that church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Where God says, you know, I know your works, you're doing a great job, you know, you have a great testimony, but I have this against you, you lost your first love. These competing values that are out there at the world, seeking our heart. He wants to break through those thorny grounds and ignite a passion in you to know him better. But today I pray that your heart's receptive. It's good soil. You're allowing some of the words that you're hearing today to maybe penetrate through there to reignite a passion to know him more. God has so much to say about our hearts. Real quickly, uh, some verses here. I'm not even going to give the text. You'll see the text up on the screen. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all of their heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Return to me with all of your heart. You know, what's that common thread through each of those verses? The word heart, but also those three words preceding heart. All of your you know, God doesn't want a divided heart. He's a jealous God. He wants all of our heart. Tozer also says this, he waits to be wanted. He waits to be wanted. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those who are completely his. He's waiting to be wanted. There's so much more of him to be had. Why do we settle? Can you love him more? Can you want more of him? As I circle the wagons here and land, I told you there was also this epiphany that I had with my grandson, Jack. And it's very hard. I get emotional with this. I don't know why. Because it's just, you know, when you love your grandkids, you just love your grandkids. And there's probably a lot more grandparents in here, so you can identify with me. But Jack was my first grandson. I have four grandchildren. Uh, but between Jack and, and my next oldest, Gabe, 
There's seven years. So Jack had me, okay? And so he was my first, and he, the second, didn't come along for seven years. I love that boy, and I still love that boy. And there was a situation that happened in their family. They live over in Jupiter that caused my daughter and my son to live with us for a season. My wife told me, as this happened, Jack is going to need you like he's never needed you before. He's going to need your love. He's going to, man, I'm saying, it's, I love the boy. Of course he's going to have me. And they moved in for a season. And, and I spent time with him and intentionally went deeper. Didn't even know that I was doing it, but just spending time with homework, playing football, just, just investing in him. I didn't know I had the capacity to take the love that I thought was unbelievable and full to another level. It was, it was and, and see what happened is that that season ended and they moved back home. And when they left, there was an ache in my heart that was indescribable. Because that love that I had for that little boy went from where I thought that it was full to a place that I couldn't even have imagined that I had that capacity to love. Do you understand what I'm saying? And at that moment in time, with that ache in my heart, God taught me a lesson. And, he, and the lesson was, I settled for love in my relationships. And I definitely was settling in my love to the one who created me and loved me. Now, each and every one of us in here will say that we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And I would have said that too, and I did love him. But I was satisfied. I'd settled. And I come to find, came to find out that the reality is there's so much more of love to be had in our relationships. In the relationships that you have with your spouse, with your children, with what, but with especially with God. We're just treading water. There's so much more of him to be had and he waits to be wanted, to be able to review, reveal himself to us in unimaginable ways and to reignite a passion for him that was like Paul, like David. They were guys just like us, but they didn't settle. They wanted more. They wanted more. And Tozer says, our problem is this, this messed up logic that insisted if we found him, we no longer need to seek him. Are you willing to be a pioneer this morning? Someone willing to explore spiritually that untapped love yet discovered, a love knowing no limit. Or are you going to settle for something less? Are you going to settle for something less? Chandler made this bold statement in his study. He says, if you're going to settle for something less, he says, you know, church is a lame hobby. Go buy a boat. Go fishing. But don't come here listening to God's word and allowing it to just bounce off of your heart for whether it's hard, stony ground, or thorny ground. 
Why do it? The word of God is to penetrate to our heart, to be able to passionately want us to, to, to pursue him. If we're not willing to, to be pioneers and we're just willing to settle, then find a different hobby. It's what he says. I didn't say that, he did. So you can send him the mail, okay? But again, I, I have to wrap up. This book that the pastors and I are going through right now is called The Relationship Principles of Jesus. And in one of the chapters just this past week, it talked about uh, loving people more. And it goes to say, you can't command an emotion. I can't say, I got to try to love more and love deeper. You can't command an emotion, but you can command an action. And it could be this morning, wherever you are in your relationship with the Lord, wherever you are in your journey, don't be satisfied. And there's still some steps that we can take. Some steps are just right critical thinking. Some are action steps that we need to take to pursue him. It takes a pursuit. So I'm going to give you some homework. Go home and read Philippians chapter 3. Look at verses 8 through 20. Because here are some things I want you to do. Not things to know, but things to do. First thing is this. Have a holy discontent with where you are right now. God wants so much more for your lives. And that's what Paul says in verse 13. Not that I've laid hold of it yet. So have that holy discontent. Number two, forget what lies behind whether it's pain, sorrow, regret, or some great things that you've done spiritually and now you can rest on that. Uh-uh, that's yesterday's news. Forget what lies behind. I'm reminded of that of Isaiah 43, 18. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? So Forget what lies behind and strive forward to what lies ahead. Paul says in verses 13, reach forward. Verse 14, press on. So what is that next step for you in pursuing Christ? I bet you right now you're thinking of what that next step should be. All of us have a next step that we know we should be taking, whether it's to read his word daily, to get involved in a small group. There's things that we can do Steps to pursue him. Set some spiritual goals for yourself. Number four, hold true to those things that you know. Paul, in verse 16, he says, Keeping, keep living by the same standard. We know that there's some right living that we need to do. So as we're pursuing Christ, we don't discard that. We know that there's things that we must do as believers. Hold on to those things. Number five, find someone to glean on. Glean from. In verse 17, Paul says this, join in following my example. None of us in here have it all together, <laughs> especially me. But there may be someone that's a step or two ahead of you that you can glean from, to run shoulders, to lock arms with. Best place to do that is to find that in a small group. But find someone to glean on. And lastly, verse 20, as Pastor Jeff says, that's another message for another time, but live as an alien. Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven, verse 20. Our problem is that we want dual citizenship. You know, we know that we belong there and we're going there, but we like it down here. You know, we're not made for this. 
We're made for so much more. So my encouragement to y'all today, I'm, I'm gonna stop right here. Just don't settle. There's so much more of him to be had. He waits to be wanted. And I just pray today that there's something that was said in here, some scripture that was read that could reignite, get through that, 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 that stony, thorny, possibly hard heart to reignite a passion to know him more. Pastor Doug, will you come up and close us in prayer? I am going to go to the guest reception. If you're here for the first time, I'd love the opportunity to just express thanks for being here and to meet you. But I just want to thank you so much for being so attentive. And Doug, I'm just going to ask you to close us out. Let's all stand, please. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for a great word from Pastor David. And God, it's always through your word that we just hear, listen, and obey. And Father, as we go along today, tomorrow, and throughout the week, Lord, help us to dig deeper, to get closer to you by reading your word, by praying more. But God, most of all, let, pe let people who see us and talk to us know there's something different about you because we love you. God, we want to see your life shine through our life. And Father, we pray that you'll use us this week to touch someone through you. God, thank you for the ones that accepted you this morning. It's so important that we share, that people know who you are and what you can do for them. In these days of trials and temptations and all kinds of things, Lord, you're the solid ground for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. And thank you for dying for us. In Christ's name we pray. We give you thanks. Amen.